0: Welcome to Fearless Mom. I am super excited to get this series started today. This is the last series of the spring. I can't believe it. This semester has flown by, but I truly believe that this series, if you will take the principles and begin to apply them, it can literally change the culture of your home. It can change the way you interact with your children, with your spouse, with your friends, with your family, and it can change the way your child interacts with you and with your spouse and with their friends and their family. It is a game changer as we talk about emotions today, as we talk about helping our kids to understand, to identify, to process, to express and overcome all of the emotions that they may be feeling. But before we dig in today, we want to welcome in our online moms. If you are watching or listening, we want you to know that there is a group of moms in Austin cheering you on. <clears throat> We believe in you, we are with you, and good news, we don't know what we're doing either, but we are all in it together. So let's start with a word of prayer. God, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for your word, I thank you for your presence in this place. I ask right now, God, that you settle our hearts and our minds that you open our eyes and our ears so that we can see and hear what you want us to learn today as we work to become the moms that you created us to be, to raise up these kids to be who you created them to be. In Jesus' name, and everybody said... Amen. Yes, we're going to spend three weeks in talking about emotions. I love this series so much. Um, I love the fact that we get to dig in together and say, what is our responsibility when it comes to equipping our kids and helping them identify process, express, and overcome um, these emotions. Now, Proverbs 31.25 is the theme verse for fearless mom. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs. Everybody say, "She she laughs. And she laughs without fear of the future. We talk about all the time the importance of laughter in a home. But if we're being quite honest, sometimes we're laughing to keep from crying, you know, because... We're talking about emotions today, and we're going to talk about equipping our kids to you know, handle their emotions. But sometimes we are the emotional ones in our family. Sometimes, I'll tell you a little story later about how I thought it was Emily's emotions, and really it was... My emotions that I needed to work on the whole time. So as we dig into this topic, as we look the next three weeks at fear and at anger and at sadness, we have to approach these topics two things with two things, honesty and humility. I have to be willing to approach this topic as mom and say, it is my responsibility to equip my child, but first I need to look at how I respond to these emotions. So I need to be honest with myself, and I need to be honest with those around me, and I need to allow those around me to be honest with me. Because we all know that self-improvement requires self-awareness. And we are more self aware when we are surrounded by people that we trust and we choose to listen to them. Okay? So, honesty. Everybody turn to your neighbor and say, you gotta be honest you got to be honest with yourself and with other people, and you got to allow other people to be honest with you. And then number two, humility. Isn't this just such a fun topic, humility? Yes, humility. We have to be willing to say, there are things that I've done wrong, and there are things that I've done right, and God will overcome the things that I've done wrong. Raise your hand if you have made a parenting mistake. Okay, good. See, we're all in this together. Keep your hand up if it was before 8 a.m. That's right. Okay, yeah. I mean, everybody, the good news is God does not command or expect perfection. Ah, Everybody take a deep breath. But he does command and expect participation. So he says, I'll help you. I'll fill in the gaps where you fall short. But you've got to do your part. You've got to lean in with a humble heart and say, God, you chose me to be this kid's mom. I don't understand this kid, but I'm going to do my best to equip him or her. I'm going to embrace my responsibility. So we're entering with honesty and with humility so that we can be the moms that we were created to be, to raise up these kids to be who God created them to be. So before we dig in, let's revisit our parenting purpose. What do we do? I know some of us, we get to the end of a day and go, what do I do? What did I do today? Surely I'm not the only one. Our parenting goal is to raise up competent, independent, strong adult children. Our goal is our kids' independence. If you have a child with special needs, then it is your responsibility to meet with that counselor, to meet with those teachers, to meet with the doctors and say, what is the most independent my child can be? Everybody has the same goal, no matter where your kid is in life, no matter your child's ability, disability, whatever it is. My job is to be to help my kid be as independent as possible. And if you have a newborn, don't panic. It doesn't happen overnight. It is a gradual thing, and it is a passing of the baton of independence. And so we start out doing everything, but we're always in the mode of moving toward their doing. They're doing it. They're being independent. So independence is the goal. And we know that independence builds confidence. The more you allow your child to do, the more confident and the more competent they become. Independence builds confidence. It's not about me and how it makes me feel. I love doing these things for my kid. Yes, but my kid needs to do these things for himself. So we have to understand that and understand that independence is a good thing. And then struggle builds strength. I have to get comfortable with my child being uncomfortable. I have to allow the struggle. And in that struggle, just like they struggle to crawl and we watch them as they develop you know, physically, we need to allow them to crawl emotionally and relationally and allow that struggle because it will build their strength. But as we approach the um, emotions and teaching about uh, emotional health, we're gonna talk about responsibility. Because taking responsibility Builds emotional strength. Taking responsibility builds emotional strength. I'm going to assume responsibility for my words, for my actions, for my tone, for my facial expressions. I'm going to assume full responsibility and then I'm going to act appropriately. You guys know I tell all the stories we have two children who are complete opposites. We have Emily who at 24 is quite lovely. Um, She her behavior was not always so lovely, um, but she's lovely now. Emily though was Free and quick to express emotion. As a matter of fact, you're never wondering what Emily is thinking or feeling. Now, she now is at 24, learns um, to, you know, decipher when to share all of her feelings. But she was quick to express. We didn't have to teach her, tell us what you're thinking. Tell us what you're feeling. We had to say, hey, hey, reel that in, girl. You know, it was quite the opposite. She was quick to express. And then we have Joseph over here, who, well, he was... To say that he was slow to express is an understatement because Joe was slow to talk, slow to... The thing is, though, he was feeling, he was thinking, he just wasn't as quick to express. So Emily quick to express, Joe was slow to express. Emily wears her emotions on her sleeve. Joe has the emotions but we had to teach him how to express them. And so my kids are complete opposites. Odds are your kids are somewhere in between, or maybe you can relate to one of those. Here's the deal. Both of them, as different as they were, as different as they are, both had to learn how to identify process, express, and overcome emotions. I had to come from two different angles, but we had to be intentional about teaching both of them. And right now, you're picturing one of your children, and you're thinking, oh, wait, is he or she more here, or is he or she more here? It doesn't matter because your goal is the same. We are striving for emotional health, emotional strength, emotional resilience. So it's your job to figure out what angle your kid is coming from and then to assume responsibility to teach that because We have to teach them to cope with these emotions. And when I say cope, this is the definition, to deal with and attempt to overcome problems and difficulties. To deal with and attempt to overcome problems and difficulties. The way we pick our topics in Fearless Mom, obviously we pray, and we say, God, what do moms need to hear? And we look at trends that are out there. And what we're noticing on college campuses, on um, high school campuses, and uh, with young adults is a lack of emotional resilience. They, they crumble at the tiniest disappointment. They fall and they, they can't get back up. I've fallen and I can't get up. You know, with the, the tiniest loss or hurt, our job is to build emotionally healthy children, emotionally resilient children. We want kids who become emotionally strong adults. And so that's what we're going to do. We want kids who can take hits and hurts and get back up, can experience frustrations and failures but keep on going. To meet obstacles or difficulty, but continue moving. That's the trend that we're seeing is that that is not present. So then our responsibility is to say, is there something I can do now to prepare my child for that later? And I do believe there is. I actually believe Scripture directs us there, and we've done a lot of research. And I think understanding our emotions takes us a big step there. We talked a little bit um, earlier in the year about Angela Duckworth. Angela Duckworth wrote the book Grit. Her definition of grit, which is really another word for emotional resilience, passion and perseverance for long-term goals, willingness to work hard to make your desired future a reality, having the stamina, everybody say stamina, Stamina. say it again, stamina. stamina, the stamina to stick with it despite the struggle, stamina, the strength to keep going, that's what we want. We want to teach our kids to dig deep, to rely on God, to find the strength, to surround themselves with friends, to find the strength to keep going, to take the hit. It's like if you picture a palm tree. You watch them, you know, in the um, hurricanes. They bend, they bend, they bend, they bend, and then they're back up. They bend, they bend, they bend, and they're back up. We want That's what we want, palm trees. We want kids who bend but don't break. We want kids who um, their roots are deep. And they're surrounded by good people so that they can be emotionally resilient. It is not just so that they get into college. I I think there is, um, I don't know, I think there's a short-sightedness oftentimes in parenting. And we think the be-all and end-all is to prepare our kids to go to college. And, And true, college is awesome. And that's for a lot of people. It's not for everybody. That's not the end game. Our goal is not that our kids do their best at their homework. That that's a step toward the goal. Our goal is not that our child takes the hit, um, you know, when they don't make the A team, but keeps going. That's part of it. That's a step in the process. But see, we're looking toward adulthood. So when you look toward adulthood, you see all these other stages, schoolwork, friendships, spiritual growth, as a step toward maturity, emotional maturity, spiritual maturity, relational, professional, whatever it is. But we've got to think long term. And long term, it's hard when your kid is four because you're going, wait, I just want her to be happy. Yes, but what I really want is future happiness and fulfillment. And so I can handle a little struggle here if I say, okay, it's worth it because I know the truth is that grit, that tenacity, that emotional strength, that stamina, what's going to pay off when they're married? Because we all know you get to a bump in your marriage and you're like, what the what? You know, (laughs) Um, Uh, what's happening here? This is not what I thought it was going to be, you know. But if you have that emotional grit, if you have that emotional health, you have that emotional stamina, now you push through. Or how about if they get to a point and they've prayed and prayed for something and God doesn't answer them and now they question God. They question. Questioning's okay. God can handle the questions. But what I want is a child who turns into a young adult, who turns into an adult, who says, God, I don't feel you, but I trust you. And so I'm going to have the grit and the stamina and the emotional well-being to continue obeying even when I don't understand. You see, that's why we've got to look so far down the road. Because it gives us the courage and we have the grit to allow our kids to be uncomfortable. We have the grit to allow our kids to develop independence, even though really my whole identity is wrapped up in this kid. And it's not about me. It's about my responsibility to raise a healthy adult. And so it, it's, there's a lot packed in it, but stamina is key. So we want our kids to take responsibility and then use self-control. Taking responsibility builds emotional strength. Self-control will, quite frankly, I mean, it's the answer to a lot of problems, (laughs) and so I I can't get into it a ton today. I just want to tell you that next fall, we are digging into self-control, and so I'm going to touch on it a little bit, but just know a lot more is coming, and I'm having a really hard time because I'm already studying for it, so I'm having a really hard time not talking about it today, so I am sticking with my notes now. We want our kids to develop um, self-control. We want them to take responsibility and develop self-control. Those are the keys to emotional health. Um, We want them to understand, I cannot control others, but I can control how I approach and respond to them. I cannot control others, but I can control how I approach and respond to them. I cannot always control circumstances, but I can control how I approach and respond to them. I am not a victim of or a slave to my emotions. I am not a victim of or a slave to my emotions. Never do I want my kid to say, I couldn't help it. That's just what I do when I'm angry. I can't help it. Some children are born with a ton of self control. And really, you're just like, that's amazing. Their parents did a great job. Maybe. Maybe their parents were amazing. But some people have it in them. And then other kids, it, it's harder to teach self-control. It's harder to get them to do it. And you look at them, and maybe if you've only got a baby, you look at them and you go, boy, their parents really need to work on that. And you don't know, maybe their parents are working on it. Let me tell you something. Before I had Emily, who threw tantrums in every store every time, I would look and I'd be like, oh, my gosh. I mean, those parents need to raise the bar, you know. I mean, somebody needs to give her some consequences. Now I see a child having a tantrum, and i I just smile real big, and I'm like, I bet that mom is awesome, and I bet she is doing the best she can, and I should buy her a snack. (laughs) That's how I really feel now because, you know what, some kids have it. They're born. It's just easier to teach them. Some are more compliant. We don't judge. We, don't, we do the best with our children, and we encourage moms to do the best with their children. No judgment here, okay? No judgment here. That kid flailing around, you know, and in the parking lot, hey, that was me. So no judgment from me. Today's topic we're going to address. It's a fun one, guys. <laughs> Anger. Anger—it is a fun one because I think it is super exciting to teach our kids to equip our kids how to respond when they're frustrated. Anybody ever have a kid who's frustrated? Uh huh. And so you see that when they're little bitty and they're frustrated and they don't know how to articulate that. We see it when, you know what, I've seen adults on the highway who perhaps should listen to this emote control series and they're frustrated. They're frustrated with, you know, the slow person in the passing lane. What? Or something like that. And so anger is something that affects all of us. So it's important for all of us. And remember, as we teach our children... We're going to approach these topics with honesty and humility and say, where do I fall? How's my self-control? How am I taking responsibility? So it starts there. But you know, it's much more fun to talk about our kids, isn't it? So we will, But we have to look at how we handle it as well. Anger, here's the definition. Anger, a strong feeling. Everyone say feeling. Okay, that's super important. Say feeling. A strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure, or hostility. A strong feeling. Anger is a feeling. Anger is a feeling. It's not an action. Anger is not an action, we, we, it's a feeling. It's a feeling when we're frustrated. It's a feeling when we are, um, when someone responds in a way that we are not pleased with. It's displeasure. It's annoyance. Whatever it is, it is a feeling. And we have to create homes in which any feeling is okay to feel. It's a safe home where every emotion is okay to feel, but how we express it matters. And that we express it matters. Remember, we said with Emily, I had to work on, you know, teaching her her tone when she expressed it. I had to teach her. We had to work so hard with her to temper her voice. Whereas with Joe over here, we had to teach him. We had to work just as hard, but it was more to trust his voice. Both needed to recognize the feeling. Both needed to express the feeling in a constructive, productive, effective way. But one needed to Tamp it down, put it into words, speak. And the other one needed to pull it out and speak. So if you have an SWB or a super passionate kid, you're probably working on tempering that voice. If you have an EGC or an easygoing compliant, then you're needing to give that kid more opportunities to speak. Odds are you walk in somewhere and you speak for them. And if your child can speak, your child can speak an order. Your child can speak to other family members. Your child can express himself. It requires your patience. I may have said it before this year. I know I've said it before, but it is so uncomfortable when a child who is slow to speak is in a public environment and we have a tendency to jump in and to feel their discomfort and the discomfort of everyone around them and speak for them or say, he's shy, she's shy, I'm going to encourage you to back off and to let it sit and let them speak because the more they use their voice, the more they'll trust their voice. And so give them opportunities to speak. Over here, you're probably not going to have to encourage them (laughs) to speak too much, but you need to encourage them to use the right tone. And sometimes you have to teach them to listen. You know, you have two ears, one mouth. That's all I'm going to say. So you have to teach them to listen. Either way, we are trying to equip them. Um, I'll give you an example of a parenting opportunity that I had with Emily and anger. Actually, I have a list of examples from which to choose, but I'll pick this one. Um, We had just moved to Austin. Emily was about three years old. I had joined a community Bible study because our church wasn't really in existence yet, and um, so I had uh, joined this program so that I had somewhere to learn the Bible with other women and actually somewhere to go because I didn't know anyone in Austin. And so we had been meeting a while. I hadn't told anybody that Mac was a pastor or that we were planning a church. And so we all go to, our group went to lunch one day at, you know it, Chick-fil-A. And so we are at Chick-fil-A and um, I had just told that, you know, the kids are playing so nicely in the play area. And um, I, you um, know, Tell them, yeah, my husband um, is a pastor. Um, where's the church? We don't have one. <laughs> but it, he, we, we're planting a church. Where does it meet? Oh, nowhere yet. But it's coming, I promise. And so I'm telling them about the church, you know, and, and we're talking. And then I realized like, oh, it's time to go. And so, now, to be fair, I had told Emily and Joseph, you can get ice cream before we leave. To be fair. That's irrelevant at this point, but here we go. So I stick my head in after I've told all the women that my husband's a pastor and, you know, we're starting a church, and I stick my head in the play area. Come on, Emily and Joe. Time to go. Emily turns around. You said we were getting ice cream. I turn, I go, oh, you're right, I did, and now we're not. So I say, come on. Well, obviously, Emily obeyed immediately and saw the error. No, she did not. falls to the ground, continues to scream. You said we were getting ice cream. Joe, at this point in his life, this was old hat to him. He just waddles on out to the car like he always does. And Emily's failing. And I'm like, you know, then I start sweating and I'm looking at the women like, (laughs) and uh, come on, sweetheart. (laughs) Um, And so then I'm I'm trying to get her in the car, you know, and I I pick up Joe, get his shoes. um, And then I tell Emily, get her on, she's screaming. I want ice cream. I want. I'm going, I want ice cream too right now. <laughs> but we can't, you know. So then I'm getting her to the car. We get out to the parking lot. Okay, not kidding. If you had seen me, it's possible you would have considered calling CPS. But I wasn't doing anything. You've got those kids. If they don't want to move, you're not moving them. So in the middle of the parking lot, she falls to the ground. So I have an option. There. I've got Joe on my hip. You know all that. Don't pick him up by the arm. Their shoulder will pop out. You know whatever. I'm like, uh, I mean, her elbow. I'm like at this point. I mean i got no choice, you know. So I'm dragging her. She's flailing. She's screaming. Needless to say, three other moms had chosen to leave at the very same time. Their children all obeyed and walked to the cars that were parked right by ours. And so she's screaming, screaming. I'm sweating, I mean, just profusely. And trying to get them in the car. I put her in the car. She's banging on the Window screaming. I mean, will not get in her car seat. I turn to the girl. She's like, Is that your daughter? God, yes. I mean, I'm almost in tears. I'm just like, What is happening? I strap Joe, who just sits right down, strap me. I'm like, What? I mean, I'm like, Really? And Emily's flailing, screaming still. And so, I, I mean, to be fair, she was upset. <laughs> Because I had said that she could have ice cream. But you see, her response was anger. She was feeling anger. But her behavior was completely inappropriate. Completely inappropriate. And so therefore, no one got ice cream that day. I did get a snack when I got home. But no one got ice cream. Here is the deal. Some kids feel deeply and express, feel, and express freely. All kids feel Some kids feel maybe not quite as deeply about every single thing, but all kids need to express. So, the first thing you have to do is separate the emotion from the behavior. Separate the emotion from the behavior. What is anger? Anger is a feeling. You can feel anything, but how you respond matters. Your choices you make, the actions you take, your behavior is separate from your feelings. We have to separate the emotion from the behavior, the feeling from the action. I, as mother, my tendency is to understand why and then lower the bar. I would say to Mac sometimes, he would say, you know, uh, it's time to go to bed. And Emily would crumple to the floor. You know, Joe would start crying. And I would say, oh, they thought we were going. I had told them we were going to play a game before bedtime. And Mac would say, interesting and irrelevant because he saw clearly you have to separate the. Emo- they can feel that. They can feel disappointment. They can feel anger. They can feel frustration, but they cannot crumple to the floor and start screaming and crying. Separate the emotion from the behavior. As mom, that's harder for us to do. We tend to know their feelings. And so we tend to make excuses for their behaviors. But if I want emotionally strong children, I have to separate the emotion from the behavior. And then I have to teach them to. That we need them to understand I'm not a slave to or a victim of my emotions. I have strong emotions. That's a gift. So you better figure out how to express them in a productive way. Separate the emotion from the behavior. Second, validate the emotion. Validate the feeling. Validate the emotion. I see that you're feeling frustrated. I understand that you're frustrated. Now with Emily, it was not mid-tantrum. That is not the time to address or validate the emotion. It is get her in the car, get her. Sometimes you just gotta send them to their room. We'll get to that in a little bit. And then you validate it later. I saw that you were upset. I understand that you were angry, but how you behave matters. So you wanna validate it though. I understand that you're frustrated. With little ones who can't use words yet, this is when you start teaching emotional vocabulary. We want them to understand the emotions, to be able to say them. You can start describing your own emotion or validating theirs at a young age. Oh, are you angry? Are you upset? Are you frustrated? All right, Joseph, I had this... Terrible fear that my children would always remember me angry, you know? And so I would tell them, I never wanted to say mommy's mad or mommy's frustrated, or mommy's, uh, I would say mommy's frustrated as if that's so much better. But I don't know, I didn't want them to always picture angry mom. <laughs> and so Joseph would say, Are you frustrated, mommy? <laughs> Mommy, are you fuss-faded? Because he saw me fuss a lot. <laughs> so, sweet Joe, you know, because I, I would get fuss And it was quite obvious with my face. And so, I'm I, trying to teach emotional vocabulary with my own emotions and with theirs. And you start that very early when you validate their feelings or you articulate yours. Um, and then again, we want any emotion to be, you know, to be okay to feel. We want a home in which any emotion is okay to feel. Um, I will tell you what did not work. I will tell you what I did wrong. Remember, mistakes are only wasted if you keep them to yourself. So learn from my mistakes. Um, So here was a biggie with me. Because I had such a deep feeler, um, and I'm more like Joe and that I feel things, but most things don't bother me. And so I didn't always understand. And so I would say things to Emily like, are you serious? <laughs> don't let that bother you. You got you to gotta get over that. You need to let that go. You need to get, uh, are you mad about, do not be mad about that. Do not be upset about that. Emily's car seat was twisted. I'm like, is this a joke? You know, <laughs> I'm like, but it, but it was real to her. And I did the opposite of validate emotion. I actually looked at her and told her that her feelings were wrong. Her feelings were her feelings. And they were different from mine. And I couldn't say, I understand that you're upset. I had That would have been completely dishonest. I had to say, I see that you're upset. I see that you're frustrated. I can tell that you're mad. I can tell that that bothers you. Instead of, oh, no, girl, you can't let that bother you. It was already bothering her. And so that was completely fruitless for me to say, don't let that bother you. And if you've got a deep feeler, acknowledge it. Acknowledge that it. particularly if you're not a deep feeler, you know. Or I feel deeply, but I feel deeply about like three things, you know. Whereas Emily feels just as deeply, and that is a gift. If you've got a deep feeler, if you are a deep feeler, and you've been told you're so emotional, you've got to calm down, telling someone to calm down it never works, you know. 100% of the time it's failure. <laughs> you have know, calm down. That is not helpful. And if you've got all those emotions and you've been told that they're a nuisance, they're a gift. They are a gift. It is people who feel passionately that change the world and that make changes in this world. And maybe you're, you're thinking, well, not much bothers me. Well, those three or four things, maybe you're going to change the world in those three or four things. But don't just because you're a deep feeler, you've got a kid who's a deep feeler, that's a good thing. It's your responsibility to help them articulate it. And we always say that we want a home in which you can, the child walks in, I'm home, I'm safe, I like it here. And it's not just about physical safety, it's about emotional safety. I can express anything in this home, I can express my emotions, and no one will make me feel stupid for feeling it. I can say this bothers me and no one will mock me for it. I will say that I am upset about this and no one will tell me, well, you need to get over that. We listen and even when we don't understand, we validate. Even when we don't understand. And we're going to talk more about it when we talk about fear. We don't want to feed fears. And then we talk about sadness. We're we're going to talk about it. But as far as anger, our approach is I see that you're upset. And so now we got to figure out how to help you express it in the right way because we have to give boundaries about how to express it. Um, I know that I've told you guys before that when Emily was four, I took her to a counselor because Emily feels things and expresses things and she was, she was very passionate about everything and I didn't know what to do with that. My degree is special education. I took classes, uh, you know, many classes on behavior management and I didn't know what I was doing. Nothing was working. And, um, so I took, and I thought, you know, she has hormones, you know, she has hormone issues. And so I told her, I took her to the counselor and, uh, I said, you know, could it be her hormones? And she said, well, no, it it could be your hormones. (laughs) Yeah. Uh We did not go back to her. I, no, actually, we did. Actually, we did. But what she, she helped me give Emily boundaries. She helped me understand that those were just feelings. And Emily was okay to feel those things, but she just needed to learn how to express them. She needed to learn the boundaries, you know, for expressing that. And, um, yeah, that was, that was super, um, super embarrassing, but that's okay. And so the next step is to educate your child about acceptable behavior. Educate your child about the acceptable behavior. We've already said that we validate, we separate the emotion from the behavior. Now we need to equip them with the appropriate behavior. And so we prep them. We prep them pre-tantrum. This equipping doesn't go on mid-tantrum. This is pre- or post-tantrum equipping, okay? I'm not going to reason with a child who's in the middle of a tantrum. I'm going to separate them, and then we revisit it afterwards, and we give an appropriate consequence. But it's not mid tantrum. Are you hearing me? We don't negotiate with terrorists or toddlers, okay? so and, and sometimes they're the same thing. So we wanna make sure, I wanna make sure that you understand that. But there are two kinds of behavior. Well, let's read the definition that it has in your notes there appropriate behavior, acceptable and desirable, not just understandable. There are two kinds of behavior acceptable and unacceptable. We have to draw the line right there understandable. I see. That's when Max says, that's interesting. And what does he say? And irrelevant. That's right. We can't make excuses for our kids' behavior. We lower the bar and we tell them, we we believe this is where you can stay. When not in reality, I believe our kids can control. I believe that the Holy Spirit gives self-control. And I believe that our kids have to learn how to figure it out and how to build that self-control. We're going to talk so much more about it next fall. But let's talk about understandable, but unacceptable. Let's say a sister is rude to her little brother, hypothetically speaking, because he is annoying her, and so she yells at him. Is it understandable? Yes. Is it acceptable? No. So let's say that, hypothetically speaking, a teenager is embarrassed by her mother, and she is not wanting to interact with her, and so she rolls her eyes. It's age-appropriate. Is it understandable? Yes. Is it acceptable? No, we don't accept that. The moment my child raises her voice, boom, conversation over. I wanted to hear what you had to say. I wanted to talk to you about it, but you will not talk to me that way ever, period. You can be frustrated. You can disagree. You can be mad at me, but I am the mom, and you will speak to me with a respectful tone, period. Well, my child can't, can't yet. It's your job to teach them how to. And so we draw the line at disrespectful behavior. Is it understandable? Yes. Is it acceptable? No. And let me tell you something. I mean, if if you've got a free expressor and a big emoter, it's a wonderful thing. You have to be relentless about this. You have to be relentless about this. And you go back, you put them in timeout, let's say, and you go, that behavior was unacceptable. Put them in timeout. Go away. This literally happened to me for 45 minutes one time. Um, I'll go back. Emily, what do you need to do to come out of timeout? Tell Shugie I'm sorry. That's right. Are you gonna do it? No, ma'am. Go, okay. Uh, scream, 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 scream. Go back. Emily, what do you need to do to come out of timeout? Tell Shugie I'm sorry. Are you gonna do it? No, ma'am. Okay. Scream, 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 scream. My mom's going. It doesn't matter. I don't care. She doesn't have to tell me. I'm going. No, mom. Unacceptable behavior. She has to have boundaries. Go back. Emily, what do you need to do to come out of timeout? Tell again, I'm sorry. Are you going to do it? No, ma'am. Yeah, okay. I go out. Lunch goes. You know, Joe, I mean, he he's not even phased by it anymore, you know. <laughs> it's relentless. It's relentless because I believe she can control it. And it's my responsibility to help her believe she can control it. And so does it take, now it takes over time. She didn't control it after I did that two times and you'll never have to go back. No, 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 no. It's just relentless and it's worth it because I've got a picture Emily trying to express to a boss one day, Or to co-workers her frustration. I need to picture Emily expressing to her husband. I need to picture Emily talking to God and saying, I I can get frustrated with you, God, but I will trust you no matter what. And I will do what you say no matter what. It's not about the tantrum. It's not about the power play. It's not about what her behavior looks like. Uh, Hey, I mean, if you've got a deep feeler and a a free expresser, then you know all about being embarrassed in the grocery store and Target. And... It's not about that. I have to care more about the effects of my parenting than the appearance of my parenting. It's about preparing her to be an adult. Educate your child about the acceptable behavior and understand the difference between understandable and unacceptable. Those are two different things. Unacceptable behavior is just unacceptable. It may be interesting, but it is what? Irrelevant. You've got some verses there on your page, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Anger itself is not a sin. Remember, it's a feeling. It's what you do with it. It's how you express it. It's your response to it. That's where we separate the emotion from the behavior, the feeling from the action. We validate that emotion. That's real. Now articulate. If you've got one like Joe, and you can see them getting angry, my responsibility is to say, I can see that you're angry. Tell me, tell me what's bothering you. You have to dig deep, you have to watch. You have to watch the eyebrows. You have to watch, you know, subtle behaviors. But I need him to learn to express it. I need him to learn as a child to express it. I need him to say, I'm frustrated with you. In a respectful tone, I need him to say, I'm frustrated with that. I'm frustrated with school. Whatever it is, I need him to learn how to say it, to trust his voice. I don't want him to be 35 and not know how to say it. It is... I am investing in his future marriage, in his future job, in his future spiritual walk. It's not about today, it's about down the road. And so, the verses when we talk about unacceptable behavior with siblings and those boundaries about um, expressing anger in our home, we said, You can be angry, you can be frustrated, I totally get it, but you will be frustrated in your room and you will not destroy property. You're not gonna make other people miserable. So no screaming where we can all, we would separate them. And those were our boundaries. That's what the counselor told us to do. And so those were our boundaries. Um, when they're a little bitty and it's unacceptable behavior, maybe they don't even talk yet. You're like, well, she doesn't know it's wrong yet. And she won't until you tell her. And so they do something, you go, no, ma'am. You change your tone, you change your face. You clap, you snap, whatever. You t- you address the unappro- you know unacceptable behavior, inappropriate behavior. You address it. Even when they don't understand. My job is to teach them. That's your job. Teach them. And so whatever consequence you need to give them and empower them. I see you're angry. You cannot hit. No, ma'am. And you give a consequence. You take the toy away. Whatever it is. But you find boundaries for your child to express that anger. I will tell you this. If you have multiple children or if you have neighborhood friends, this is the training ground. This is the training ground for expressing anger. And so whatever, you're like, oh, they're siblings, they fight. Yes. And sometimes you say, I'm going to allow them to work it out. This is where you pray for wisdom and discernment. But other times I use it as training ground. And I say, you know what? Yes, I get it that you're frustrated. You must be kind to one another. And so we've got scripture there for you, John 13, 34, and 35, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Jesus is very clear. Your life works best when you love one another. And so we want to empower our children. That's the expectation. That's the bar. That's the acceptable behavior. Anything less than that, I'm going to address. And so did I get in the middle of everything? No. But if I knew that they saw me, now I had to address it. Does that make sense? If, if they saw me see them, now I had to address it. If I'm in the room, now, when they get older, sometimes I'm like, hey, come on, you know, figure it out or I'm gonna get involved. And so, but love one another is the bar. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, this Ephesians 4.32, forgiving each other just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Love one another, be kind, that's the bar, that's the bar. Are they always gonna do it? No, do you always do it? No, but you know life works best when it does and you give a consequence. We've got discipline simplified reviewed for you there. There's a whole lesson on it. There, there's a whole um, part about you know, how to discipline your kids, especially if they're SWBs, but we'll go over it real quick. You establish the desired behavior, articulate and model the desired behavior, Give positive consequence when the desired behavior is display, displayed. Give negative consequence when it's not. And then the last one is key rinse and repeat. Over and over and over. But I, I, this consequence isn't working. And over and over. But I don't think he's getting it. And over and over and over. You know, I'm tired of doing it. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And over and over again. It's your responsibility. And so you say, here's the bar. I believe that you can do it. God will fill in the gaps where you fall short. Lean into him. He'll give you the strength you need. You do have self-control. You figure it out. You can do it over and over. Patient, be patient, be patient. It is so worth it, so worth it. Teach them it's okay to be mad. It's not okay to be mean. It's okay to be mad. It's not okay to be mean. Then you're gonna give them some tools. So you give them the consequences. Now you're gonna give them tools. This is our biggest one when you feel angry, take a breath, take a break, watch your tone, watch your face. Take a breath, take a break, watch your tone, watch your face. Take a breath, I mean literally. If we can equip our kids to recognize this is a feeling, that's the first step. This is a feeling. Separate the feeling from the behavior. We teach them, you're feeling angry. You're feeling frustrated. You're feeling sad. Breathe. Literally, when we drop our heart rate, when we breathe slowly, we are now much more likely to find compromise and solutions to the problems. You literally move your thinking from your emotional response to your logical response, from your amygdala to your prefrontal cortex, I'm so sciencey. but from your, so take a breath. Teach them. I see you're frustrated. Breathe. One, two, three. One, two, three. One, two. That that is a huge thing to teach them. That is a great life skill. Before you react, think about how you need to respond. So you think. Stop at the feeling. Isn't that so simple? Try it on yourself this week. It's amazing. It's amazing. Take a breath, take a break. You know, it doesn't have to be handled immediately. Take a breath, take a break. I'm gonna come back to this. I'm gonna go get a snack. Snack always helps me think better. Think. You lower your heart rate, lower your blood pressure, lower your breathing rate. Now you're much more likely to think rationally. respond instead of react. Take a breath. Take a break. Here's where self-control comes in. Watch your tone. Watch your face. I want to hear you. I know you're frustrated. No, no. You can control that. I can't help it. Oh, yes, you can. Yes, you can. Watch your tone. Watch your face. Remember, we want to teach our children you're not a victim of or a slave to your emotions. You, You are much more capable than you realize. God will fill in the gaps, not if, but when you fall short. So, whether you have a free expressor or a slow to express, everybody needs to figure out how to express it. Need to identify, process, express, and overcome. Need to learn how to cope. Need to learn how to make this a productive conversation, a productive feeling. I do feel deeply. I don't feel deeply. I, wherever you fall, if you know it helps your marriage. You know it helps your friendships. You know it helps you professionally. You know it helps you spiritually. If it helps you, you know it's gonna help your children. So you do your best. Now, yes, all these tools are great, but the primary way our children learn, and this is not about making you feel guilty, the primary way our children learn is that we model it for them. We are fountains, and our children drink from our overflow. What are you spewing? It's not about guilt. It's about opportunity. It's about saying, you know what? How I respond to the other cars on the road affect how my child is going to handle anger. How I respond to these terrible refs, to these terrible judges, to these terrible, it's going to affect how my child responds. How I respond to my husband, how I respond to whatever it is, affects how my children are going to process anger. It's not about guilt. It's about opportunity. And to be quite honest, it's about responsibility. We have We have the responsibility to grow up these kids, to equip them for life. And we know that their life will work better with emotional resilience. Their life will work better if they understand how to articulate their anger, their frustration in a productive way. So we can do it. We can do it, and God will fill in the gaps when we fall short. Not if, when we fall short. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your promises that you give us what we need. God, we ask right now for the wisdom and the discernment, for the courage and the grit, for the stamina and the tenacity to do our jobs to prepare our kids for life, to help them build emotional resilience, to help them develop emotional health. Show us, God, what we can do in our own lives so that we can help them as they build their lives. In Jesus' name,
1: amen. Amen. Thank you, Julie. Well, don't you just love how Julie can take something as complicated as helping your child process emotions like anger into simple, practical steps? Um, How many of you have seen the movie Inside Out, the Disney movie? It's, if you haven't seen it, it's a really clever animated film about a little girl named Riley whose life is up is uprooted when her family moves from the Midwest to San Francisco, and her emotions—joy, fear, sadness, anger, and disgust—all conflict on how to best help her navigate a new city, a new home, a new school. And through her transition, we learn that just like Riley, our emotions have a purpose, even anger. For example, fear keeps us safe. Disgust keeps us from being poisoned, both physically and socially. And anger, anger has a um, deep uh, desire to help us ensure that things are fair. I mean, when you get mad or frustrated or hurt, it's usually because you've experienced some kind of... um, Injustice, or you've seen some sort of mistreatment or things aren't going the way that you had hoped that they would because you've set goals and you're working towards them. So we don't want to get rid of anger. Without anger, we could really be taken advantage of. But we want to learn how to channel anger. So today during our reflection time, we're gonna take a few minutes to think about ourselves. How do you respond when anger rears his hot head? Um, And as Julie said, you know, our reactions to our husbands, our siblings, our friends, other people like refs or people on the road um, affects how our children treat one another, but it also affects how they feel inside. And so it's important that we take some time to to, uh, evaluate the example that we're setting. So as the music comes on, as always, we will first stop to think and pray, asking God to see things as they really are. And then we will evaluate, taking an honest look at how we respond when we're mad, hurt, and frustrated. We'll separate our own emotions from our own actions. And then we'll make a list. We'll jot down the improvements that we can make. And then we'll end with the most important part, the commitment to the fight. It's the hardest step because this is where we have to take action and work to get better at our response to anger and conflict resolution. And for those of you who are watching online or listening online, this is your cue to grab a pen or pencil and set a two-minute timer so that you can participate as well. If you will, bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for Julie's practical advice and tools for helping our children process anger. Thank you for giving us hope that we can and we will survive our children's tantrum phase. God, as we take a few minutes to To reflect today, help us see our own behaviors around the feelings of anger with clear eyes and a calm heart. Help us acknowledge our strengths and identify our weaknesses. And as in, in the coming weeks, as we work to make changes to the way we process anger, please hover over us and give us the strength to master it. And when we don't, please fill in the gaps when we fall short. I ask all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.